Chapter Fifteen of the Little Minister. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Little Minister by J. M. Barry. Chapter Fifteen. The Minister Bewitched. Second Sermon Against Women to nanny it was a dizzying experience to sit at the head of her own table and with assumed calmness invite the minister not to spare the loaf-bread babby's prattle and even gavin's answers were but an indistinct noise to her to be as little regarded in the excitement of watching whether mr dishart noticed that there was a knife for the butter as the music of the river by a man who was catching trout every time gavin's cup went to his lips nanny calculated correctly how much he had drunk and yet, when the right moment arrived, she asked in the English voice that is fashionable at ceremonies if his cup was tomb. Perhaps it was well that Nanny had these matters to engross her, for though Gavin spoke freely, he was saying nothing of lasting value, and some of his remarks to the Egyptian, if preserved for the calmer contemplation of the morrow, might have seemed frivolous to himself. Usually his observations were scrambled for, like halfpence at a wedding, but to-day they were only for one person infected by the egyptian's high spirits gavin had laid aside the minister with his hat and what was left was only a young man he who had stamped his feet at the thought of a soldier's cloak now wanted to be reminded of it the little minister who used to address himself in terms of scorn every time he wasted an hour was at present dallying with a teaspoon even laughed boisterously flinging back his head and little knew that behind Nanny's smiling face was a terrible dread, because his chair had once given way before. Even though our thoughts are not with our company, the mention of our name is a bell to which we usually answer. Hearing hers, Nanny started. "'You can tell me, Nanny,' the Egyptian had said, with an arch look at the minister. "'Oh, Nanny, for shame! How can you expect to follow our conversation when you only listen to Mr. Dishart?' "'She is saying, Nanny.' gavin broke in almost gaily for a minister that she saw me recently wearing a cloak you know i have no such thing nah nanny answered artlessly you had just the thin brown coat with the braid around it for by the eye you have on the now you see gavin said to babby i could not have a new neckcloth not to speak of a cloak without everybody in thrums knowing about it i dare say nanny knows all about the braid and even what it cost three bowies the yard at Kawawi's shop replied nanny promptly and your mother sewed it on Samuel fairweather has the morrows on his top-coat not that it has the same look on him nevertheless babby persisted i am sure the minister has a cloak but perhaps he is ashamed of it no doubt it is hidden away in the garret nah we would i kent of it it was there said nanny but it may be in a chest and the chest may be locked the egyptian suggested ay but the kist in the garret is na locked nanny answered how do you get to know all these things nanny asked gavin sighing your congregation tells me nobody would lay by news about a minister but how do they know i dinna ken they just find out cause they're so fond of you i hope they never become so fond of me as that said babby still nanny the minister's cloak is hidden somewhere losh what would make him hod it demanded the old woman folk that has cloaks doesn't bury them in boxes at the word bury gavin's hand fell on the table and he returned to nanny apprehensively that would depend on how the cloak was got said the cruel egyptian if it was not his own 
lassie cried nanny behave yourself or if he found it in his possession against his will suggested gavin slyly he might have got it from someone who picked it up cheap from his wife for instance said babbie whereupon gavin suddenly became interested in the floor ay ay the minister was hitting at you there babbie nanny explained for the way a you made up with the captain's cloak the thrums folk wondered less at your taking it than at your no keeping it it's said to be michty grand it was rather like the one the minister's wife gave him said babbie the minister has neither a wife nor a cloak retorted nanny he isn't merry asked babbie the picture of incredulity nanny gathered from the minister's face that he deputed her the task of enlightening this ignorant girl so she replied with emphasis na they hinna got him yet and i'm cheated of it doesna take them all their time thus do the best of women sell their sex for nothing i did wonder said the egyptian gravely at any mere woman's daring to marry such a minister ay replied nanny spiritedly but there's darn limmers wherever there's a single man so i have often suspected said babbie duly shocked but nanny i was told the minister had a wife by one who said he saw her he lied then answered nanny turning to gavin for further instructions but see the minister does not deny the horrid charge himself no and for a reason he did not deny the cloak because it's no worth his while i'll tell you what your friend has seen it will be somebody that would like to be mrs dishart there's a hantle of that kind ay lassie but wishin winna land a woman in a manse it was one of the soldiers babbie said who told me about her he said mr dishart introduced her to him soldiers cried nanny i could never told the name of him sanders in his young days hankered after joining them and so he would if it had not been for the fechtin ay and now they tine him away to the goal and sworn lies about him dinna put any faith in soldiers lassie i was told babbie went on that the minister's wife was rather like me heaven forbid ejaculated nanny so fervently that all three suddenly sat back from the table i'm no meanin nanny continued hurriedly fearing to offend her benefactress but what your de bonniest did i ever saw out an almanac but you would ken mr dishart's contempt for bonny faces if you had heard his sermon against them i didna hear it myself for i'm no alglit but it did the work o the town for aught days if nanny had not taken her eyes off gavin for the moment she would have known that he was now anxious to change the topic babbie saw it and became suspicious when did he preach against the wiles of women nanny Uh, it was long ago said gavin hastily not so very lang syne corrected nanny it was the sabbath after the soldiers was in thrums the day you changed your text so hurriedly some thought you was in a wheel but lang thomas thomas wamond is too officious gavin said with dignity i forbid you nanny to repeat his story but what made you change your text asked babbie you see he winna tell nanny said wistfully ay i dinna deny but i would like to read to ken but the session's as puzzled as yourself babbie perhaps more puzzled answered the egyptian with a smile that challenged gavin's frowns to combat and overthrow them what surprises me mr dishart is that such a great man can stoop to see whether women are pretty or not it was very good of you to remember me to-day i suppose you recognize me by my frock by your face he replied boldly by your eyes nanny exclaimed the egyptian did you hear what the minister said 
Whoosh me, answered Nanny. I missed it. He says he would know me anywhere by my eyes. So would I myself, said Nanny. Then what color are they, Mr. Dishart? demanded Babbie. Don't speak, Nanny, for I want to expose him. She closed her eyes tightly. Gavin was in a quandary. I suppose he had looked at her eyes too long to know much about them. Blue, he guessed at last. Ah, they're black, said Nanny, who had doubtless known this for an hour. I am always marvelling over the cleverness of women, as every one must see who reads this story. No, but what they make to be blue in some licks, Nanny added, out of respect to the minister. Oh, don't defend him, Nanny, said Babby, looking reproachfully at Gavin. I don't see that any minister has a right to denounce women when he is so ignorant of his subject. I will say it, Nanny, and you need not kick me beneath the table. Was not all this intoxicating to the little minister, who had never till now met a girl on equal terms? At twenty-one a man is a musical instrument given to the other sex, but it is not as instruments learned at school, for when she sits down to it she cannot tell what tune she is about to play. That is because she has no notion of what the instrument is capable. Babby's kind-heartedness, her gaiety, her coquetry, her moments of sadness, had been a witch's fingers, and Gavin was still trembling under their touch. Even in being taken to task by her there was a charm, for every pout of her mouth, every shake of her head said you like me and therefore you have given me the right to tease you men sign these agreements without reading them but indeed a man is a stupid animal at the best and thinks all his life that he did not propose until he blurted out i love you it was later than it should have been when the minister left the mud-house but even then he only put on his hat because babby said that she must go but not your way she added i go into the wood and vanish you know nanny out of up a tree dinna say that said nanny anxiously or i'll be fleet about the cellar don't fear about it mr dishart will get some of it to-morrow at the kimes i would bring it here but i cannot come so far to-morrow then i'll have peace to the end of my days said the old woman and babby i wish the same to you with all my heart ah babby replied mournfully i have read my fortune nanny and there is not much happiness in it i hope that is not true gavin said simply they were standing at the door and she was looking toward the hill perhaps without seeing it all at once it came to gavin that this fragile girl might have a history far sadder and more turbulent than his do you really care she asked without looking at him yes he said stoutly i care because you do not know me she said because i do know you he answered now she did look at him i believe she said, making a discovery, that you misunderstand me less than those who have known me longer. This was a perilous confidence, for it at once made Gavin say, Babby. Ah, uh, she answered frankly, I'm glad to hear that. I thought you did not really like me because you never called me by my name. Gavin drew a great breath. That was not the reason, he said. The reason was now unmistakable. I was wrong, said the Egyptian, a little alarmed. Y you do not understand me at all. She returned to Nanny, and Gavin set off, holding his head high, his brains in a whirl. Five minutes afterwards, when Nanny was at the fire, the diamond ring on her little finger, he came back, looking like one who had just seen sudden death. I had forgotten, he said with a fierceness aimed at himself, that tomorrow is the Sabbath. Need that make any difference? asked the gypsy. At this hour on Monday, said Gavin hoarsely, I will be at the Kimes. He went away without another word and babby watched him from the window nanny had not looked up from the ring 
what a pity he is a minister the girl said reflectively nanny you're not listening the old woman was making the ring flash by the light of the fire nanny do you hear me did you see mr dishart come back i heard that door open nanny answered without taking her greedy eyes off the ring was it him whar did you git slassy give it me back nanny i am going now but nanny did not give it back she put her other hand over it to guard it and there she crouched warming herself not at the fire but at the ring give it me nanny it wouldna come off me finger she gloated over it nursed it kissed it i must have it nanny the egyptian put her hand lightly on the old woman's shoulder and nanny jumped up pressing the ring to her bosom her face had become cunning and ugly she retreated into a corner nanny give me back my ring or i will take it from you the cruel light of the diamond was in nanny's eyes for a moment and then shuddering she said take your ring away take it out of my seat in the meantime gavin was trudging home gloomily composing his second sermon against women i have already given the entry in my own diary for that day this is his notes on jonah exchanged volume forty three european magazine for owen's justification per flying stationer began second samuel visited nanny webster there is no mention of the egyptian end of chapter fifteen recorded by sylvia m b in washington state